So we've recently taught a 10-day retreat at IMS and then I taught a day retreat in, in New York. So there's been a lot of uh, formal meditation practice during that time. So I thought I'd just speak a little bit about meditation tonight and uh, you know how the attitudes we can bring to it and uh, the ways we can trip ourselves up. So, you know, before we first start to practice meditation that we're basically just following the conditions and habits of the mind so what we you know what's going on in our family or um, our environment our school our community and then we've got our own personal you know character and thoughts going on you know which which a lot of that comes in with us into this birth and, and when we don't have the capacity to reflect then we're kind of driven by all of these these forces and conditions and you know, some people are lucky enough to, to be guided in a good direction and so many aren't so you know when we when we come across meditation usually when people start to meditate they, they've got a strong desire a strong drive to want to practice because it's not easy to put, try and put the brakes on this kind of runaway cart of the mind runaway vehicle of the mind so there's a usually quite some strong incentive and for many people it's, it's the experience of dukkha suffering, stress, difficulty or, or having followed you know, your desires one after another, after another, after another, after another and found that, you know, not, not be able to find that satisfaction that you're looking for. So, you know, these are the, the things that, that bring us often to meditation. And then, uh, you know, when we're, when we're working against a, a very strong momentum and habit of mind, then we need to apply quite strong method. So, certainly in the, the beginning of practice, it's, it's very important to develop a degree of samatha practice, of, of concentration practice, so that you can get a, a perspective on the, the runaway mind and you can, you can start to kind of get the reins on it and, and guide it in a, in a different direction. And this is, uh, I would say, pretty much vital in the beginning <coughs> for most people just to, to really redirect the mind and and train it and, de- and develop certain strength in, in focus and, and concentration and it, through doing that we hopefully you know, experience at least moments of peace some, some people might experience great waves of 
peaceful meditations. Other other people, others maybe just it's just a way of, of getting a, a bit of perspective on the the, uh, the kind of madness of the mind, if I may call it that. And you know, this is it's like it's vital really in, in the beginning to use this concentration and, and focus. But uh, as we develop the practice, this is not enough. You know, just to stay with with concentration is not enough. So even when if we have a very concentrated mind, the the um, hindrances of the mind are suppressed. They, they, we can experience times of whether the mind is really open and peaceful and clear and bright, and all of those crazy thoughts completely stop for a while. But then, you know, once you come out of the meditation and leave the retreat or leave the shrine room or leave our our nice little corner in the house for meditation and and go into the big wide world, then we're then we're challenged and all of the old patterns come up again. So, you know, we need to also bring wisdom into our practice. So we need to we need the the discipline and the and the focus, and we also need to apply wisdom. So as the practice matures, when we start to get to know the mind, how it works, our own particular um, <coughs> yeah, the particular routes our our mind goes, and. You know, the, at first we want to change that. You know, we see, we start to see the way our mind works. We want to, we want to change it. We want to be a different way, be, be a different kind of person. And we can, you know, gradually train the mind through wisdom to <coughs> to move in more wholesome directions. So we don't have to just be like slaves to the the habits and conditions of mind. But we need a lot of patience. And presence and and uh, wisdom and compassion in meeting this mind as it is. So you know, one one can pay attention to the states that arise in the mind and know them for what they are. But we also need to be able to know what what the quality of attention is that we're we're giving. So we might have. Um, for example, we might be have a lot of desire, and the, and the mind has a lot of desire. It, it, it goes out; it's pouring out; it's right; it's, it's seeking satisfaction. And then, when we get to know that, we might feel a strong aversion. We don't want to be like that. I don't want to be. It's constantly caught in desire. I don't want to be following those thoughts. And then, you know, we we meet desire with aversion so we're missing the place of wisdom or we might be very averse and critical and and then we we start to notice this aversion and and, and aversion and critical mind and and we identify with it say oh I'm such a aversive person, I'm such a negative person I'm really so terrible And, and I you know, it's because of this, this, and this, and this. You know that that happened. So I'm kind of going to be like this forever. And so we we meet aversion with with attachment and identification, and we miss the possibility of meeting it with wisdom. 
So wisdom meets experience with interest. It doesn't um, grasp, it doesn't identify, it doesn't judge. It's discerning, it's clear, it's discerning, it understands the difference between wholesome and unwholesome. But it's actually meeting one's experience with a sense of interest and curiosity. So then we meet the uh, the mind of desire. We discover this strong desire, or discover it. It overwhelms us, and and then we meet that with interest rather than aversion or fear. And uh, getting to know what what is it like, and you know, what does it feel like in the body? What is the momentum of desire? What happens if I reach out and fulfil that desire? So there's obviously such a, a, a huge range of possibilities. You know, it could be something very simple like eating a cookie or it could be uh, having an affair with somebody else's partner. You know, it's kind of, there's a big, or robbing a bank. You know, there's, a, there's a big variety of possibilities there. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, you know, we have the, the five precepts which you've taken, you take, which gives us the, the framework within which we don't have to do anything really harmful to ourselves or others, and we can live with a sense of self-respect and respect for others. So that's the five precepts give us that framework, that boundary. And then within that, we can we can get to know what's going on with this mind. So a strong desire arises for something that's not going to harm anyone, really. Maybe, you know, maybe it's slightly harm ourselves. <laughs> But nothing too serious, and we can we can explore that with wisdom. We can explore what does it feel like. What does it what does it feel like when the mind is just latched onto something and it won't let go? You can't think about anything else but that, and you feel like you just got to have it, and then you stay with that and see what happens. You see how crazy the mind can get. Maybe it's something really simple and uh, small. Watch how crazy it can get, and then and then see it spin itself out, and then eventually it'll stop, it'll give up. Or if it's something not too harmful, you can you can also see what it's like to reach out and have that something that you th- you really want, that really 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 is 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 begging for your attention, and uh, make it part of you, and see what happens. And watch the whole process. The, the gratification of, of that, the relief, the uh, it's the moment, yeah, the moments of gratification, and then the next thing, that wanting the next thing, or that empty space, again, that it that it filled for a moment, and just just go through the process really with clarity and wisdom, go through the process and get to know the nature of desire. So you know, if we identify and judge, we, we can't really do that. It, it, we can't use, it gets in the way of wisdom. And you know, it's just, just recognizing how quickly we, we grasp hold of our mind states and, and become them and then judge them and then act on judgment. So we're kind of adding layer upon layer of complexity onto what is actually just a very simple experience. So the Buddha is inviting us to come back to the very simple and immediate and clear 
and to start to see through those those patterns and complexities that we add on top of this experience. And, uh, you know, this, this, uh, the roots are deep of these three, let's call it, they're known as the three poisons, you know, greed, hatred and delusion. They're very deep roots in our ego, in our, in our system, so... And we might we might be able to get past the really big ones, but then you get to see more and more subtle levels of these playing out. And it's really important not to get discouraged if, when you see this, but to actually be encouraged. Because if you're seeing it, this is really great. This is like the light of wisdom being shone on the habits of the mind, the delusions, the wanting, the not wanting. So a number of people on the retreat in interviews said, were, were saying, oh, uh, I was sitting there, and then I realised, oh, this is a deluded state. That they were thinking, and they realised, this is a deluded state, and they would start to judge themselves for having a deluded state. So that's like adding a deluded state onto a deluded state. <laughs> you know, and it's much more useful just to recognise, oh, delusion, this is, this, is a, this is confusion, this is delusion, this is... This is distraction, this is fear, whatever it may be, and to know it for what it is and to feel it, allow it to be fully conscious as much as you can, and uh, let it go through its process. And sometimes it's it can be kind of tidy, you know, if, if you're in a situation where you can just quietly be with it, and sometimes it can be a bit messy, you know, if some of it comes out and, and it's and uh, creates a bit of a mess, and then you see, oh, I'm doing that, that's that, what's going on here. But as soon as you catch what's going on, then you're, you're back in a, a place of clarity, really, and wisdom, and you have the possibility to respond to what's happening in a, in a way that doesn't add to the, the karmic complexity of it. So this is at any moment in our life, at any moment we have that possibility to come back and notice what's going on and be with it as much as we can. And also not to, not to um, judge or feel discouraged if we can't be perfectly present with a, a mind state that we are very familiar with that comes up again and again, you know, but to have a real sense of patience and compassion for the process that it takes to, to find our way back to the natural clarity of the mind. Because who knows how many lifetimes we've been wandering, creating bad habits. <laughs> and this time, you know, we've, we've, once, we've decided to turn around, to face what's going on and to meet it and to allow it to end. And it might uh, take a lot of trial and error, a lot of mistakes, a lot of um, repeated falling and, and getting up again. But this is really part of the path and part of the practice. So it's an interesting process because this, the, the samatha practice, uh, you know, the, the concentration practice can appear to be very spiritual and very advanced and very um, impressive 
and you can really feel the results. You know, you really put your mind onto the breath, stay steady, and and you have experience quite powerful states of mind, and uh, and there's there can be strong clarity some time after. So this looks much more impressive than than being with greed or being with confusion or being with delusion or or, or aversion. But uh, you know the the path of concentration it, it just gives us a little relief. It gives us a, a glimpse of what can be, but it can't really free us. It's condition. It's a conditioned state. Whereas the the path of wisdom, investigation, understanding, that leads to freedom. Because through investigation and understanding, we we get to know what's going on. We get to know its its nature. We get to know that it has a, a beginning, a forceful presence, and an ending. And whether we act on it or not, it, it has that same lifespan. So, you know, this is a, a practice that we can bring in at any point in our life, in our day or night. So there's the formal meditation practice, which builds a certain strength of mind, and then there's the the ongoing, any moment, every moment practice of, of noticing what's going on, and meeting it, recognizing the the quality of awareness that we meet our experience with. And at any, it can, we can do this at any moment. You know how we feel when we come into the room, how we feel when we. How we're, how we're meeting a, a person, how we're responding to our work, or to a, a thought about a, a difficulty in our family, you know. Just recognizing the, the habitual tendency of mind and what it's doing and seeing, can I meet this in a, in a more open way? What is actually stopping me from meeting this openly now? And just investigate there. So you might, you know, it's, it's, it's much easier to blame the external for our difficulties. <laughs> but, it's, you know, really, it's what we do with what we meet that matters. It's, uh, you know, there's, there's some Tibetan monks and nuns who've been imprisoned for years and tortured, gone through incredible, horrific experiences, and and they've kept their minds on the practice. And I was reading about one monk who, would, his, who was shackled, his legs, were, his feet were shackled together, and he would just do prostrations, he could still do these prostrations. So he would do prostrations every day next to his bed. And then when he was, when he had, when he was sitting on his bed, he would, he would chant, Om Mani Padme Hum, Om Mani Padme Hum, and bring to mind the qualities of compassion. And, uh, you know, much easier to, to, to get really angry and upset and feel it's wrong and it should be like this and poor me but uh, you know with wisdom you can meet even the most challenging experience with with a completely different heart and mind so you hear about these monks and nuns coming out of prison and, and just having really deep compassion for their captors amazing because they recognise that you know they're the ones who are really suffering 
people who were, they were consciously inflicting harm, they're the ones who are really, really suffering. And uh, so, so just wanting to, I just want to point to the the fact that this bringing attention to what is is happening here and now, this is meditation. You know, there's meditation on the cushion, and there's meditation in our daily life. It's, it's mind bringing mindfulness and awareness, or mindfulness and wisdom, mindfulness and clear understanding, bringing these qualities to our daily life. This is this is also meditation, and it's something that we can do at any moment that we remember, really. And like I was saying before, you know, not to be put off if what you meet is very challenging or, or very strong, but to see if you can bring a sense of, of curiosity and interest to it. Because it's a, there's a possibility to live with freedom, you know. We have the choice. We can live with freedom, or we can live with being completely caught up in our habits and conditioning. So even though we have the choice, we still have to to, to work at it. So it's not like we can just bring attention to our conditioning and it all changes, but. Gradually, gradually, a moment at a time, it does change, it does transform. And uh, in my own experience, just a, a sense of increased uh, spaciousness in the heart and, and joy, gladness. You know, it's not that the, the uh, confusion and desire and aversion have gone away, but there's a lot more space. To, to appreciate life and to be with to be with the, the fear to be with the aversion to be with the openness and the peace to be with the beautiful day that we had today and there's more space just to be with life as it is and, and as I understand it the Buddha is pointing to that you know, in, the, in the four foundations of mindfulness the Satipatthana Sutta he's pointing to bringing presence to everything that we experience in our life every movement every thought every feeling every mind state the body itself and saying bring this let this be your object of, of meditation it's always this whatever this is it's always this so it's bringing us back to the present you know like we chant the the the, the dhamma is apparent here and now, it's present, timeless, encouraging inviting us to come and see for ourselves, leading inward, leading inward and onward. It's kind of both to be experienced individually by the wise, by our own wisdom. You know, it's, it's very immediate. So I just I hope that this kind of reminds you really that that this is the the path and the, and the possibility that we all have. You know, we have the formal times of practice to kind of build up some strength of mind, but then we have the challenges of a day to exercise that. And it's in a sense it's perfect as it is, even if it doesn't always feel like that. You know, it's, it's a case of, as much as we can, turning to what's happening and, and knowing that 
this is exactly what's meant to be happening now. This is what I have to learn from, or this is this is the place that I can give into. So really learning to trust your own wisdom, develop and trust your own wisdom in meeting experience moment by moment. And you know, naturally as 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 we do this, we recognise the places where we you know, create extra suffering for ourselves. And by feeling it through meeting that honestly and feeling it, then it's a natural incentive to start to, to turn around, change our way of living and relating. So it's all here. And it's just up to us to really put the attention in the right place and in the right way. And to and to hold the whole practice with a sense of patience, like infinite patience, and compassion, kindness. So we're not uh, doing this now in order to get something later, or doing this now in order to get rid of something, but we're meeting this now with wisdom and understanding and letting go at the places that need to be let go of, developing what needs to be developed, and, and trusting our own wisdom to know what to do with each state that arises. So it's a very simple practice and uh, very easy to forget. So I hope this little reminder will be useful to you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.